Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I know you are going to love today's episode with Flora Duffy. I met Flora many years ago when she was a hot up-and-comer on the tri scene. My husband Tim was working with Pearl Izumi at the end of his racing career. He helped them develop their tri-team and Flora was one of the younger sponsored athletes. And it's funny because I consistently ran into her at rally sport over the years, but I swear I always had trouble figuring out who she was. It's like, I think every time I saw her, there was something just a little different about her. And now I think it's because I literally watched her transform in slow motion from a pretty great triathlete to the best in the world. Flora has always been really nice, but when you're a pro athlete and you're at the gym, it's not your social hour. That's your job. So I never spent much time chatting with her. Um, Side note, when you've been retired from professional racing for 15 years and you're at the gym, it often is your social hour. So feel free to talk to me. But my point is, that I try to respect people who need to get their workouts done. And now this sounds really bad, like no one except the pros need to get their workouts done. Sheesh, okay, you got you got the gist. Anyway, until a few weeks ago, I was splashing around in the outdoor pool with Wilder, not getting a workout in. <laughs> and I saw Flora jump into the adult pool with a water belt on. She was water running, and this immediately triggered my old, not awesome memories of water running torture. It was something I only ever did if I was injured or nervous about getting injured. In fact, Tim water ran so much for the last 10 years of his career that I'm traumatized just from watching him do it. So anyway, I made the assumption that Flora may be injured because I don't follow triathlon as closely now as I used to. So I'm just sort of looking at what's right in front of me. And when she was done, we had our first meaningful conversation, maybe ever. She stopped at the stairs where I was watching Wilder and her friend, and she kind of hung out for a little bit. And she shared that she is in fact injured and it does in fact suck. And I commiserated and told her that she's got lots of time. Hang in there, right? What else could I say? But now saying all of that is nice, but I will tell you that it really doesn't make a pro feel better. So I reached out and asked if she would come on the show and share more openly what's going on during a time that's pretty vulnerable. And being the most amazing person that she is, Flora agreed. So get ready. It's not every day that we get to learn life lessons from the very best, especially when they're not feeling at their best, which is when I feel that some of the most valuable lessons can truly be learned. 
All right, then let's bring Flora on. So um, it's really cool to have you today. Yeah. Thanks thank for you. coming to my house. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I usually mean, do podcasts on the phone, which are not mm-hmm. as fun. They're it's not much nicer like this. It's so much more fun mm. because I can actually look into your eyes and see the pain, anguish, oh, and gosh. joy of all the things we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. I saw you recently at the pool deck and you were water running. Mm-hmm. And so we sat for a minute and chatted about life as a pro athlete and the ups and downs and like injury is part of the freaking game. But it's it sucks. And it doesn't matter how accomplished you are, all the shit that you've done, which you've done a lot, anytime your body lets you down, it is I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what's going on with you right now. Yes, so I am pretty injured at the moment. It feels like my soul is being like sucked out of my body. Oh, <laughs> that is not a good feeling. Devastating feeling. Um, I think particularly for me is I was on such a high. Like my life for the last two years has just been a whirlwind, going from race to race, and won a couple world titles, and sort of just had this like crazy rise. And well, wait, and didn't you like also kind of get hitched? I did, and I got married. <laughs> there's some yeah, momentum so there's there been too. a lot going on, <laughs> and then suddenly it just all stops, right? And it's pretty crazy to go from feeling like, "Wow, like this is this is really cool. I'm winning a few races. I can feel like myself really improving and just feeling great," and then all of a sudden it's like, "Ooh, actually, I can't walk anymore. Okay, now I'm not going to race. Skip this race. Okay, now I'm actually not going to race for the rest of the season." and yeah, it just can be pretty devastating coming off that high to such a low. But as you said, it, it is part of being a professional athlete. Everyone goes through this. And I guess it's a one comfort that I've taken from it is that in Boulder, we're surrounded by so many amazing athletes, which is which is great. And then just hearing their stories and their perspectives. And it just really helps, I guess, ease the pain and know this is part of the journey and you just got to suck it up and well, ride it. <laughs> but that's a pretty mature, you know, mindset because Tim and I have both been there, Tim more than me on the injury side, because he raced for 20 years. I didn't race at that level for that long. But um, I don't think necessarily that having that network of people you know have been before you helps everyone so that's a really like i think a sort of mature way to look at it um because i think a lot of times athletes we are very Mm self-centered i mean it's a self-centered pursuit as much as you know you're at the point in your career where you're already giving back but at the end of the day every race it's you alone out there on the course doing your thing and uh when things blow up a lot of times athletes will go within and they don't mm-hmm. they don't like to look outside or find comfort in anything. It's like a pity party. It is like a pity party. <laughs> Did you have to go through some pity parties oh. before you got to this point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think for me it took I was I, the, my foot started to really bother me in May, and then because I raced on the World Triathlon series, you know, it's a series of races um, which determine if you're a world champion, you know? So, like, it's not like I had one big A race later in the year that I could be like, okay, we're just going to cut, stop everything, get ready for that race. It was like, shoot, I actually need to race again in four weeks, or maybe I can skip that and need to race again in eight weeks, which eight weeks is not a lot of time if you're pretty injured to heal and get back up to running good enough to be, go race. So for me, I almost didn't allow myself to really believe I was that injured. I kind of 
I was getting lots of treatment. I wasn't running, but I was still trying to keep myself as fit as possible with the hopes of going to this race, which was in Hamburg, and finishing decently without my foot hurting, and then I could kind of just continue on. Whereas that did not happen at all. Like I went to Hamburg, but my foot was still not right. And it's a really weird space to race in when you're like, okay, I'm, I shouldn't be here, but I want to be here because I want to keep myself in the series, but my foot hurts. And then it's like, you know, I'm saying I'm me, but like I'm the defending world champion. So it's not like I'm just quietly in the race. It's like, oh, Flora's back. Let's oh, see. Yeah. You know? And you're the like, bullseye. you're just like all over the place emotionally. And uh, so it didn't go well. So after that, that's when I had my big pity party to get back to the. Yeah. <laughs> just okay. to like realize, okay, I've completely messed this year up. Not completely. I had a few good results, but like, this is, I'm not going to be able to defend my world title. This is kind of it. Right. Okay. This is more serious than I thought. And just had a massive pity party for like two weeks. And then I was like, come on, Flora, you got to get yourself out. Well, let's talk about this one phrase that you just said. You said, I've completely messed this year up. Mm -hmm. Like, was it your fault? I don't understand. Because, you know, anyone listening is like, well, you got injured. It's not your fault. Mm. Is it your fault? Like, are you taking blame and having guilt for your injury? And what exactly is your injury? So my injury is post-hib tendonitis. Okay. She's a pretty standard injury which i thought would be healed much quicker for runners or triathletes um i think runners maybe triathletes mm-hmm. no um yep and why do i blame myself well i guess because i feel like i'm ultimately in control of my body and i'm the only one that really knows how it feels so yes i was telling people okay yeah my foot really hurts really hurts but it's hard for them to under really understand you know like I guess for example, my, my husband Dan, he's very involved with my career and travels with me to races and oversees a lot of my training and whatnot. He's not my coach, though. Um, Clear, defined yes. line there. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm telling he's the, he he's with me all the time. So I'm like, well, damn, my foot hurts. Like, I don't think this is a good idea to go race. But it's hard for him to really know, right? I know. Because you. I kind of I went through my did my long run got on the plane mm-hmm. and then I was like okay well I guess we're going and he's like you know how bad if you race how much worse could your foot possibly get you know like okay we know you're gonna race yeah, yeah. and then you're gonna take a break and we're gonna sort this but I guess for me I should have been like no this is actually really going to destroy my foot set me back yes it's a difference yeah. between sort of maintaining an injury yes to get you through even though you're not 100 percent. so yes. probably you weren't going to win even if you were able to perform decently because you weren't 100 percent. right yeah so. and then that that very subtle line between am i doing more long-term damage yes so now <laughs> i get where your head is and you know it, it's so hard it's so it's very emotional mm-hmm. like you probably feel like yeah i hurt myself a little more than <laughs> i thought i yeah. should, could absolutely so you walked in and you said um this morning and you said i'm taking my break early so what's funny is i i noticed you're married in december like end of december right mm-hmm. what was your anniversary December December 16th 16th mm-hmm. and we're December 28th and every other triathlon couple I know is at the end of December because it's our off season right mm-hmm. well we're sitting here and it's the beginning of September no one takes an off season right now <laughs> there's big races coming up so it's a big deal that you made that decision and you're and you took the pressure off yourself 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it's super weird to be sitting here and be on my off season in September when mm-hmm. everyone, most people in Boulder are preparing for Kona. So they're in like their absolute fittest state and building. And then if I go on social media, I see everyone that I race on preparing for the grand final and they're getting to their fittest. And then I think back to last year and I had some of my best workouts in prep for the grand final. So it's super weird to feel your most unfit oh yeah (laughs) right now but for me it was just the best thing to do um I wanted to do a couple more races at the end of October I thought I could be healthy for which I probably could be but I also might drag my foot out the hard part was deciding okay it doesn't hurt swimming and riding but is that slowing the healing down and ultimately probably yes and also because you're still pushing your body and it's hard for your body to heal when you're still swimming a ton still riding a ton doing some gym, I mean, you know, being a triathlete that like still can manage to exercise all day, even if you're not running, Right. you know? So I was just like, okay, no, I can't do this anymore. Like this is, it's just weighing on me too much. I have bigger goals for 2020. If I don't get this right now, like that's out the window, which might sound crazy to some listeners, but like when you're an athlete, that's that, or when you're someone preparing for the Olympics, it's actually around the corner. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, Okay, you're 31? 31 at the end of the month. Oh, you're 31. Um, Great. Okay, so you're very young, like relatively young in endurance sports, you know, very young in endurance sports, relatively young in any sport. Um, So you have time, but that is not all that comforting when you're in the heat and you're in like the prime of your athletic career, at least to this point. You don't know if you've hit your prime and you've been like riding that prime wave or if there's even better prime to come. Isn't this like, that's the crazy part of sport. It is. It is. It's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. And um, I mean, just from knowing and watching women in our sport, like you can go until you're 40 and keep getting better and better. You just might have to switch some distances or you know, focus a little bit, right? And what happens too is as we get older, our bodies take longer to heal. Mm-hmm. So all of these things are moving targets. So let's talk a little bit about your rise to this point. Mm -hmm. You know, we've alluded to it a little bit. You're a world champion. You've won uh, multiple world championships, correct? Mm -hmm. I've won two ITU ones, World Triathlon Series, Mm -hmm. and then four Xterra. Okay. And then two ITU Cross. That's, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's the thing that blows my (laughs) mind. So for those of you who don't really know the sport very well, um, who are listening, ITU racing is about your, your drafting, right? You gotta you gotta swim well, get in there, get with the lead pack draft, and then you gotta run your brains out. And I've watched you progress as a runner, and it's freaking beautiful what you do. So that's an entirely different mindset and way to think, and you don't even have arrow bars anymore, right? Not full arrow bars, but everyone has started putting like the little shorter, oh, like, a little shorter guys. ones. Yeah, behind. yeah, yeah. Like this little minis. Yeah. But then um, you go to Xterra. Okay, totally different beast. And Xterra is an off-road triathlon. You're doing mountain biking. Back when I was racing, people didn't do both and perform well. So that's changed a little bit. But I also think it's like, um, it's a mindset shift. So, you know, if you think about each style of racing, what do you like better? Like what draws you in each? Um, yeah, they're both very different. Um, I definitely like ITU better. Um, oh, you do? Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's because that's where I started. And I mean, it's 
I guess, yeah, it's, it's really quite high profile racing. It's a big stage, a big platform, very competitive. Um, of course, the Olympics is involved. So I love that side of things. Mm-hmm. And then with Xterra, it's like, if I think of like going, racing ITU, it's just, yeah, super intense, very detail orientated. You don't make mistakes if you want to win. Whereas Xterra, I feel like it's completely the opposite because you're just like out there racing in the <laughs> elements and then the trails and you're going to crash. You're going to overshoot some corners. Um, you're going to flat. You're going to, you know, like things, these things are like almost inevitable because you're just like way out there on the trails. And so the conditions are a bit more extreme in that way. And so it tests me differently because it took me a while to get over that, that, you know, that's okay for that to happen in Xterra because it's kind of part of it. Whereas if I come from an ITU point of view where if I crash or if I mess up a corner, I get so mad at myself and annoyed. Whereas, well, you're basically done. Yeah. So yeah. it was a whole learning experience to get into that style. But um, it's also a bit more relaxed. It's a whole different community of triathlon, which is nice to be involved in. And yeah, now it's sort of become an outlet for me to race Xterra. Um because it is, yeah, so different from the ITU. That's my focus. And then it's great that I have the skill set to to jump into some Xterras, race there in Maui, and it's beautiful and a great way to end the year. It's amazing. And, you know, I, I, uh, you're like my hero because when I was racing, I did one Xterra, okay? And I had gotten a bike and uh, rode it in the winter on Hall Ranch, right? That was it. And I was like, okay, that's all I got. And then I picked this Xterra that ha- it's in Virginia, and so it's all like roots and wet and very in different. Richmond? Yes. Yep. It was so it was ridiculous. But um, I went there and I outswam everyone by minutes. Get on the bike, and they're all like, "We're gonna push her over when we see her." You know, they were kind of a little bit aggressive, and I think a little nervous about me. They came up to me within five minutes on the bike, <laughs> and I just hopped right out of the way. I was like, "Go ahead." Because I knew there was no way I could hang with them. Um, they outrode me by 45 minutes that day. <laughs> it was the most hilarious race ever, and I never did another one. But, you know, there's time in your life to pick up these different pursuits. Now I love mountain biking. I'm not great at it, and I don't care about racing, riding fast. But what's really interesting is, you know, there really is a whole different skill set and you mentioned your skill set so i want to take us back in time to growing up in bermuda Mm -hmm. okay so you're also an enigma because you started doing triathlons like so young i don't know anyone who started at age six or seven when you did i know it's crazy to think i've been doing this like most of my life but yeah so i grew up in bermuda and i suppose with the climate there the lifestyle that swimming in the ocean and it's warm so you know riding and running is just sort of a thing you do and uh, there was a local kids triathlon on one day, so I thought I would do it. Wait, did you and or did your parents or family well, convince you? I guess I was in a swim club and I was on, I, like, I loved to run it. I was in primary school at the time, you know, in mm-hmm. the running club at primary school. So I don't know if, I mean, they must have told me about it and entered me. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and I won my age group. Oh, and I love it. Loved it. And there just happened to be a local kids triathlon club that started around the same time. Every wow. Saturday morning, we would go to this beach called Clearwater Beach and we would have like a little triathlon training. And a ton of kids went and I just made a bunch of friends and that's just sort of what I did. So, so um, you grew up a triathlete. I did, yeah. Wow. But I also sort of during that time did like swimming a little bit independently, like competed for Bermuda at a few Caribbean 
um, championships, did a little more, focused a bit more on running. And I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it was only until I was like 16, 17 that I was like, okay, I want to be a triathlete. Because I was doing it, but I never thought of myself purely as a triathlete. So tell me more about your family. So my family, well, this is the strange thing. No one did triathlon before me. So now my parents do it because obviously like I was doing it growing up. They're like, well, if we're going to all these triathlons and stuff and we're going to do them. So now they're dead keen and they do every local race. Oh, I love it. Are they like in their 50s? 50s, 60s. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're still very active. Yeah. And then my two brothers, I don't think either one has done a triathlon. (laughs) Um, my older brother is super athletic, was one of those people that was like good at every sport. Um, and they were both in the swim club with me. And then my younger brother, Campbell, was into sailing. Oh, wow. So cool. they do threaten to do, because we have a WTS race now in Bermuda. <laughs> and then there's an age group race. They do threaten to do that. Um, um, they're somewhat competitive. They're, they're afraid they won't be able to well, beat you. Well, I think they're, they they're, cannot they're, beat they you. Have, <laughs> Most men cannot beat you anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they did the team event last year. So maybe they'll do their first triathlon next year yeah so like as you were growing up it just sounds like you had a supportive sort of happy childhood um were there any let's say formative events or things that kind of shaped your mindset for becoming the kind of athlete you are today um i don't know it's an interesting one because i feel like from pretty young age if you asked me oh what do you want to do when you grow up and i was like i want to be professional triathlete and I want to win a gold medal at the Olympics and I want to be a world champion and people would be like whoa <laughs> it's an intense 10 year old there and it's like not like I said it like you know la-di-da like I was quite serious about it wow. um and you did all that I, did, I haven't done the Olympics yet so we're hopeful we yes. can do something good yes. in Tokyo yes um but when I was growing up in the 90s there was an ITU world cup there and I think for me, it was like the first time I got to see professional athletes perform, never mind professional triathletes. But I guess seeing that was kind of like, oh, wow, this is a profession. You can do that. And I guess just in very inspired seeing all these people race um, right there on my home streets. So, yeah. Wow. So this is like truly... Um not I don't it's not really a Cinderella story because you didn't go through the you know cleaning up all the crap of your stepbrothers you know (laughs) I mean you you really just set your mind to this and did it um I know this is kind of a weird question but when's enough enough you've won a lot of races like (laughs) like are you setting your sight on winning one huge pinnacle race or something and then saying and then I'll be done or are you just going to keep going I don't know. That's a hard one because I I feel like I mean the next big goal for me is Tokyo 2020. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd love to win a medal. I mean, I kind of keep asking myself: if you win a medal, will that really make you truly happy with your athletic career or not? I don't know. It's kind of a tough one. Have you talked Getting to anybody <laughs> who's, who's won the big ones? Um, I mean, yeah, I know Gwen Jorgensen fairly well. Um, although we've never really chatted actually much about Rio. Um, and her day there and mm-hmm. the prep and everything. Um, so it would be interesting to see, but I think a lot of people, I mean, Gwen is one of the few I know that has did that and then stopped and transferred over to running. Whereas mm-hmm. if you look at like Jan Ferdino and Emma Snowsill, Jan transferred to long course very successfully and almost became more successful. Yep. Um, I guess Emma did a little bit of racing and then, and then retired. But um, 
yeah so I don't know so that's my big goal and then I would like to do a little bit of long course but we'll just have to see yeah. where the mind's at where the body's at I mean I think it's also important that take into account that like you know I do have a husband and I don't know how much he loves in fully supports my triathlon career and lifestyle and everything that goes with it but I think it's also important to remember that like as you mentioned is a very selfish self-centered way of life and I can't see myself being 40 and or leaving my late 30s and still going for it Ah, just kind of want to end I guess on a high and then move on to the next chapter of my life well and I will say like I understand that thinking for sure. But what's really interesting is wanting to end on a high. Um, like, when is the high? Mm-hmm. You know, I I actually finished racing after winning an Ironman. I did a couple more races, but I moved into the next phase of life. Look at Tim. You know, he won Hawaii. He wins Hawaii again. He doesn't win a third time. He drops out. Kidney stone. Next mm-hmm. year, comes back, drops out. Next year maybe fourth like never and then keeps trying because it's inside of you that maybe there's just one more good one so this is a tough it's an interesting and tough road to sow especially when you're right in the middle of your career and so we're gonna watch you and we're gonna be like cheering from the sideline and you're gonna win some massive race or win gold in tokyo or whatever and then we're gonna be like remember what you said yeah. this is it yeah stop <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about you mentioned your husband dan um he's uh he's racing still right so dan retired at the oh. end of 2014 oh he yeah, did he okay Xterra. oh okay yeah 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 and, and he started He's an entrepreneur? He is an entrepreneur, yeah. He's had a couple businesses. His most successful is um, a nut butter company called Butternut, Tree Nut Spreads. You guys, we got to get some of this butternut. How I do know. we get it? Can we even get it here? No, it's not <laughs> in the U.S. yet. We're, they're hoping to export here. They export to a few countries, but it's mostly in South Africa. Okay. Um, the company's about five years old. But yeah, it's a great product. Oh, and you know what? It. There's people who are listening who are in South Africa. So they're going to they're gonna be writing in and be like, I love that stuff. Yeah, go buy it. <laughs> yeah, so what? tell me more about that business. And do you support Butternut? Are you like a big part of it too? Um, I would say no. I mean, I eat a lot of it. <laughs> Are you sponsored by them? I hope so. Um, but no, he, him and his business partner, Antoine, um, who's actually about to, going to be his brother-in-law in a couple of months. He's going to marry one of his sisters. Oh my gosh. So they, yeah. Oh, that's so incestuous. Yeah. Nothing so. can go wrong there. <laughs> no, but he's great. So, so they have been running the company for the last like five years, as wow. I said, and, um, so they have a couple different flavors, but they're all mixed with macadamia nut butter because, interestingly enough, South Africa grows one or has one of the largest uh, exports of macadamia nuts or grows the most amount. I don't know. I should know more about this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like almond macadamia nut butter, pecan macadamia, chocolate macadamia. Oh, they're all very my good. gosh. So, yeah, that keeps Dan busy. And then he his family also farm figs, so he's involved oh, wow. with that. Figs? Figs, yeah, oh, both cool. exporting fresh figs and then selling fried ugh, fried fried figs. That dried kind of, sounds kind of good. <laughs> dried um. figs locally. It's <laughs> for after you race. <laughs> um, gosh, he's got to put those two together. Is he doing any fig mixes? 
they are so the dried figs is still like kind of a new thing that cool. they've done so they're yeah. slowly like collaborating with some like local you know granola business just to mm-hmm. have figs in the granola and such like, like that so um yeah it's cool. a very fairly new company but it's doing very well so it's great awesome awesome so how did you meet him we met in boulder yeah, good old Boulder, Colorado. Like just walking down the street in your swimsuit. At a pool, yeah. You met in swimsuits. Yeah. Oh boy, nothing well, to hide. Well, yeah. <laughs> I saw him on a magazine cover. Oh. As he's done a few of those. Handsome. And I was like, wow, this <laughs> no, guy's really attractive. Who is he? <laughs> so then I read all about him. I'm like, okay, Dan Hugo that does Xterra. And then I kid you not, like a week later, I'm swimming. I think I was swimming at FAC at the time. Okay. And, uh, Dan strolls out onto poolside, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Did you literally, like, get the butterflies? I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do I say to him? Can I even say hi? And then he gets in the lane with me, and I'm like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's not how I planned it. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we were friends for a couple of years. I tried to play it cool, became friends. Um, Luckily, we had a few mutual friends to, like, bridge the, the friendship or whatever. And then we started dating in mid 2013 oh wow okay yeah and uh yeah now we're married <laughs> but before yes. i met him i'd not really done any xterra <clears throat> and i just sort of happened to plan to do beaver creek xterra mm-hmm. which was july 2013 and uh he was doing it so i was like oh great <laughs> more of a reason to do this race which that race was death by the way like you know you mentioned your first xterra experience uh-huh. mine also was pretty mortifying that was your first yeah like i got annihilated i thought how about this and be i do triathlon it's not that technical of a course but no it was uh it was definitely tough so anyway but um yeah so meeting dan really helped me learn everything about xterra and i've vastly improved thankfully after um that first experience you know uh at that point were you already planted in the u.s I was, yeah, because I went to University of Colorado here in Boulder. So I was here for that and, of course, also doing triathlon on the side. But, yeah, so I was pretty happy here. Did you get your B.A. in sociology? I did, yes. <gasps> Me did. too. Really? It's a fellow social sister. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> but I always thought of that as the degree that, you know, was for people who didn't know what they wanted to do. Yes. Oh! <laughs> and then they know. become pro athletes. <laughs> yeah. Boom! You want to be a pro athlete? Take sociology. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point now you're in Boulder or in the U.S. kind of full time, but you had dual citizenship. Or do you have dual citizenship? No, so I'm here on a visa. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have yeah. dual British citizenship, Bermudian and British. Wow. But not, not in the U.S. Are you like a hero in Bermuda? <laughs> Seriously, do they have like billboards and stuff when you um. come in from the airport and there's Flora <laughs> Duffy? Well, in the lead up to the WTS race, <laughs> you should mention that, um, there was a lot of me posted around the island. Like, I kid you not, like, massive poster of me on one of our tallest buildings. I mean, the poster must have been, like, 10 feet, just, like, down the building. There's yeah. just me as you drive into Hamilton, our yeah. this, the capital of Bermuda. And, um... Did anyone yeah. graffiti it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. That would have been really embarrassing. Maybe yeah. hearts. Yeah. I love her. Mm-hmm. But wow. there was a lot of me around the island at that time. Oh, that is so cool. So you meet Dan, and um, did you know, like, pretty early on after you guys started dating, were you like, this is it? This is the guy? Um, 
I don't know. I think it probably took me about a year, year and a half or so to really, um, yeah, figure out if it was. And then I guess, yeah, once I knew, it was just sort of like, Boom. okay. Hopefully he feels the same. <laughs> would he tell the story the same way? No, probably not. Oh no, he God. would actually deflect like crazy because he doesn't like talking about this stuff. Oh, we cool. about, we'll have to get him on. <laughs> something completely different. Well, what what would he say? Would he say, oh, she was totally into me. I had to put her off for two years till I finally gave in and started dating her. Or the opposite. <laughs> I think actually the opposite. He would say, no, Flora's actually busy with like having other boyfriends at the time and only noticed me couple years later something like that that's what he jokes i'm like yeah whatever dan you go <laughs> so funny um well you guys if you don't follow flora you need to on instagram i was checking out some of your gorgeous wedding photos oh my gosh you got Thank married you. in south africa we did on dan's family farm yeah so what does he you know being in a relationship that is like a creates a foundation for you in your life like <clears throat> what does that what has that done for you in your career or you as a person? How has that shaped or changed you? Um, I think, yeah, it was a dramatic change being with Dan. Like if you ask my parents, they're like, you know, what was the one thing that really changed and sparked Flora's like growth from 2014 to now, you know? And they're like, Dan. Wow. (laughs) Um, And I think, yeah, he really challenged me. And I think when we first met, I was sort of doing triathlon, sort of not finishing up school, just trying to figure out, okay, do I want to dive fully back into this? And um, I guess Dan had seen my results as a junior and when I was like 18, 19 racing on the IT circuit, had some pretty good results and kind of knew there was some talent there, but it just kind of got lost a little bit along the way. And so he definitely really challenged me to like, come on, like give me the kick up the butt I needed to really pursue triathlon and uh yeah somehow it uh wow yeah it really helped and I think it was also great that I had him to do it with you know so it was like this is how we spent time together and he was pretty focused at the time when we met um so it was just like okay well I'm, I'm just training with my boyfriend and it's fun and I like it and learned more and more and had a little bit of success along the way and then I guess I was lucky I was able to just build upon that success gain in confidence and I mean having him I guess as one of my main supporters really yeah just just also helped a lot. you know I this is really I think it's really cool that your relationship started that way with him challenging you I think a lot of people listening will be like I could never like go run with my husband because we get on each other's nerves or one of us would be a little faster and then the other one gets grumpy and you know yours it sounds like um it's just been a very supportive ride but when you say challenge that's what relationships need Mm -hmm. and when you reach a point in a relationship where one of you is challenging the other often it creates hurt feelings so if you start that way and you recognize it it's just such a healthy foundation Mm, yeah absolutely and i don't think he wasn't challenging me in like a a negative way it was almost like in a positive way of like you know you have all this great potential come on let's like use it he was um, he he was being what he should be your biggest supporter yeah yeah, and not worrying about himself as much isn't that interesting yeah 
very that's when we grow up don't we totally (laughs) um and it's fun because you know i first met you and have followed you maybe uh five years ago around this time Mm -hmm. right and you were working with pearl azumi and tim was sort of he was done with his racing career but sort of working with pearl azumi too and kind of watched you come in and you transformed like literally in all ways I mean, you're, first of all, physically, you even look different now. Mm -hmm. Like you are a machine. Your body is finely tuned as it needs to be. And to watch you become the runner that you are, like that was pure beauty. (laughs) You know, do you have enough distance or time from where you were then to where you are now to appreciate the path you've been on? Um, Yeah, no, it is pretty... I guess remarkable the change and I think that running I mean because I grew up as a runner so and um I guess we're running pretty well at like 18 19 so I I kind of knew there was always this running form or potential there but it just I guess as my body did change a little bit as you do when you're between like 18 and 22 it's kind of a hectic time to be a woman and Mm -hmm. be a professional athlete and be in the spotlight and you know and then going to college and just trying to figure yourself out. Um, obviously, sport and running, that took, like, it wasn't my priority. So once I got back into it, yeah, the transformation of how my body thought, okay, this is how I should run to, like, how it is now, running, you know, the bit better run form, thankfully. I mean. Um, has been really cool. If I look back at pictures, I'm like, what? Like, even two years ago, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's how I looked to now. Yeah. and course it's been a lot of hard work and I have a lot of great people in my corner helping me do that like it's you know some people have to work on their swim technique I have to run on work on my running technique running form like every day you're always thinking about it yeah like every time Mm -hmm. I'm in the gym working on a few things doing a few running drills um and just having a few mental cues which um thankfully I've been able to take on board and 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 do because I think that's the hardest part it's like you understand it but being able to internalize that and then actually go and do it right that's the hardest part so yeah so what does um what does like a if you were training which you're not right now because mm-hmm. we're going to get back to where you are now but in, give me a second what would a training week look like for you in a build-up part of the year so training week for me because i swim six days a week Got uh, it. roughly 20 to 25 k's that's a lot yeah <laughs> well the swim's pretty important with itu so <laughs> it is hammer in the pool a lot and uh, then riding a game like six days a week, maybe two days a week on my mountain bike, rest of the time on my road bike. Mm-hmm. And I should know how many Ks I ride a week, but I don't. That's all right. But I'm um, usually two to three pretty good sessions in there. Like maybe 10 hours of riding? Yeah, 10 hours, yeah. 10, 11 hours of riding. Mm-hmm. And then running, I run six days a week as well and wow. about 75 Ks a week. So Which you, I've had to build up to over the years. Yeah, that's so a I was lot. pretty actually happy when I got to that. That's amazing. Yeah. It, but so do you take a day off? And then. Because that's six, I guess six I and have, six. Yeah. <laughs> I guess every week I don't have a day off, but maybe at the end of like a training block I have a got day it. off. But then I have within the training week, some days are much easier than others. So yes, some days are yeah. pretty stacked, others are just maybe a swim and an easy ride. Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole afternoon or whatever off. And do you have a coach? 
I do, yeah. So I have like one. I don't have one singular coach. I have like a team, which I really this is like. So different now than when no. we were doing it. God, I love it. I wish we were that smart. Yeah. So, what's your team look like? So I have my running coach, who's based in South Africa, who I've been working with for the last couple of years, which is great. And then I have a cycling coach who's based here in sort of Boulder, Denver, and uh, who's a friend of mine. And then, um, I mean, yeah, he's an incredible coach, super knowledgeable, very engaged. And it's kind of nice. He's like new to it, but not new to it and like doesn't know anything, like knows a lot and is very, I don't know, excited to be a coach. So, you know, like gives a lot of feedback and thinking Mm -hmm. bigger picture and thinking of this, that, you know, it's like, so it's really great at the moment. Who and is then it? Nate Wilson okay. from Catalyst Coach. He's yeah. has his own coaching company. He also works on the U23 national team. He's oh, the director good. of cycling team. Awesome. Yeah, so that's cool. And then I sort of oversee the swimming part. I do a lot of Julie Dibbins swim sessions while uh, I'm yeah. here at Rally. Mm-hmm. And then Dan, sort of Dan, Nate, and Ernie. Ernie's my running coach. Sort of are like the overall umbrella. Got it. That communicate with one another. And just, yeah, talk big picture and, you know, week and what are the main races we're focusing on. Just so everything syncs up yeah. and flows nicely, yeah. um, which I really like. And then I'm very involved in it, too, which is nice to take ownership and accountability of what I think and should be doing. But bouncing those ideas off of people that are actually smart and educated about this stuff. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, like you you do really truly have a team that seems to care about you, too. And that's the yeah. key. And you have to find joy with working with them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you don't really like them, why would you work with them? This oh, is your absolutely. Life, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you need you need to like them and need to be able to talk about anything with them, you know? Yes. Because women's very issues. Personal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. I so. mean, um, so on that note, let's mm-hmm. see here. So you've got this incredible team. Dan's a big part of it. He's mm-hmm. kind of like your handler. Mm-hmm. I like to call him maybe he's like your fluffer. He'll get you ready for everything you need. Um, okay, this is a really funny part of relationship. Um, I remember, you know, everybody looks at these hot couples and these sport couples and like they must just like totally come home from workouts and then just like get it on every day. <laughs> and I totally remember, you know, and this still applies, especially after you have a kid. You'd be like, yeah, that's a myth because we're so freaking tired every night after all the training to actually even touch each other. It's pretty funny. Huh? Yes, <laughs> somewhat accurate, right? Not a glamorous. No, life. it's not. We're gonna. So, no. but here we are. That's your in-season stuff, and that's your team who handles you. Then, what about the off-season here? What does that look like for you? Yes, the off-season, which I'm just starting right now. It's very weird for me because oh, it's now a lot of close time with Dan. A lot of close time, ah. more close time with Dan. <laughs> um, no, but. T- Typically in the off season, I'll take a three to four week break and keep it. I do. I don't say training, but like exercise. You know, because it just feels nice to go for a twenty minute jog here and there. Maybe a little hike, ride my mountain bike because it's fun. Because um, I think when you when you do exercise, I say exercise train twenty five plus hours a week, day in day out, to just to completely stop it, like completely freaks your body out. So I think it's nice to just to keep a little bit going, but obviously very, very relaxed. Your more focus is on being social, catching up with friends, doing the stuff you put off the rest of the year, going on a holiday, 
we're actually going to go to Bermuda next week. Cool. Which I'm really excited for. Yeah, we get to stay in one of the hotels, Hamilton Princess, which is nice because it kind of gives us like a staycation feel mm. and it us a bit of privacy. And from so your family. Really nice. you mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Who, it's awesome to go back and stay with your family. But I mean, it's, you but know. I think it's different when you're married and you're bringing your husband and you know, like, yeah, so it's it's nice. I mean, Bermuda's such a beautiful place, and we're going there now. Yeah. It's the tail end of summer, so we'll be able to like hang out on the beach and just do normal Bermuda things. Yeah, which would be really nice. Normal uh, Bermuda things. <laughs> I don't think most people know what that is, except probably lay around on the beach and do water stuff. That's pretty much it. And yeah. There it is. <laughs> you know, um, you can totally pass on this question if you want, but like a lot of times when athletes, you know, who are facing what you are. Um, hit a slump, which it's not a slump, but it's an injury and have to take time off, they say, ah, this might be a good time to get pregnant and have a baby. So, (laughs) I mean, this is one of those things where like you're faced, if you want to have a family someday, it's a really like tenuous line you have to tow because this is your body, Mm -hmm. right? And you're not just going to have nine months right? That's more than nine months because it's the getting pregnant, then the pregnancy, then the getting back in shape health in a healthy way. So by 2020, we really don't have time, do we? No, we don't have time. You're going to have to wait till that, after that. That needed to happen in 2017. Oh, dang. But, um, okay. That's okay. Um, but you're still so young, you know, and that's the really cool thing here. I mean, is this, is having like a big family, you come from a family of three kids. Is this something that you and Dan think is going to be in the future? I don't know. It's it's interesting because I feel like we're so wrapped up in this like athletic bubble right now and preparing for the Olympics that to me, I mean, there's a lot of women that have had babies in the last two years and they've come back and they're doing phenomenally well, but I still can't wrap my brain around how do you train, you know, recover all of that and still have time to be a mom, which is, I think, you know, yeah. an incredibly important role and yes. all consuming. Um, I mean, but people manage to do it. Um, obviously, you need a lot of help. But I guess for me, that just seems like way too much. I'm like, I can barely keep myself yeah. <laughs> going no. and getting out the door. Well, and you both so. have to want it. And, you yeah. know, and Tim and I definitely did not want kids until we were 30 in our like 38, 39 years old. Yeah. And wow. then we decided maybe we'll do it. <laughs> we did. Yeah. But like, there's no reason to rush it. It's just an interesting time and an interest i thought maybe a a question that would uh, potentially be interesting to talk about in light of the fact that you're on this like forced break mm-hmm. and i do know some other athletes who've been like well i've been a forced break i may as well make it really forced yeah absolutely <laughs> and maybe if i was like yeah more at the tail end of my career yeah um but yeah when you're 30 you're like oh i think i have like another uh-huh. eight years to you know totally have a baby so okay so we've got 2020 2024 and maybe close to 2028 then we're gonna have this talk again okay. decide where you are <laughs> you know sometimes i think too with um racing we do get so caught up in our in our worlds that there are other things that we said when we were kids we wanted to do and then suddenly time is ticking. So in particular, are there any like sports or activities that you think someday you wanna pursue, but right now you just kinda can't? Yeah, I mean, not in like a, a high intense way or whatever, uh-huh. you know, just like for fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean like we're here in Colorado and I've spent a few winters here, but have I gone skiing or snowboarding? Once in my nine years here. So it's right. stuff like that, like getting out and exploring the mountains. Totally. Whether it is yeah skiing or snowboarding or just doing more hikes 
or stand up paddle boarding or in South Africa, um, paddling is a big deal there in the oh. K- K1s. Ooh, you know. Literally. Proper like. Oh, like kayaking? Kayaking, oh, yeah. Cool. Sort of stuff. Like, so Dan grew up doing that. You were doing, so you couldn't see, but Flora had I'm, some cool moves yeah. she was doing. I know nothing about this world, but <laughs> no, it's pretty it's big so in cool. South Africa. And Dan grew up doing it and his whole family does it. Oh. And I feel like, I mean, I can't do that because sitting in a boat like that, oh gosh. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then. wreck the body in some way. You don't even. <laughs> totally. One and, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just stuff like that. You just want to be active in different sports. But at the moment, it's just not worth it. I mean, I see yeah. how fragile my body. It's it's fragile, yeah. but it's not, if you know what I mean. Like, as you said, it is a highly fine-tuned machine, and it, my body is strong, but at the same time, incredibly fragile if you introduce something that Absolutely. it's not conditioned for. Yeah. Um, which and is so crazy. your mind one day will open up, and you'll be like, what is this sport called paragliding or something you know and like i can actually do it now Mm -hmm. i am free to do but right now you got to make your wish list make your bucket list exactly yeah yeah that's so cool well you've also hit a point in your career that i think is like somewhat premature for a lot of athletes where you're already giving back you just launched this incredible project called the flora fund let's talk about it did yeah so that was launched in april um and sort of started last year um talking with my dad and brother of like you know there's a lot of need in bermuda um for you know to help the youth in sport just covering a few um gaps small gaps where it could be helping with swimming fees or just really anything um and then i guess i started thinking well i got here because i had a lot a lot of support from my parents and I know that's not possible for everybody, particularly when you live in Bermuda, it's an incredibly expensive place. So I was very fortunate and then just made me think, well, there's probably so many Bermudians that are so close to getting to that next level. And I don't necessarily mean being high performance, aspiring world champion, but I mean like perhaps open doors to them that weren't, or that couldn't be quite open because the financial support wasn't there or whatever platform that was needed to help get to that next level so um yeah we just sort of brainstormed and thought i wanted something lasting some sort of legacy within the community that could just help you sport i mean it's such an important thing to me sport in my life so yeah we launched the flora foundation and um i was the initial donor and since then we've had quite a few people donate and so it's a very humble start, but to me it feels like, oh, wow, we've got a, a decent you, amount, and we just handed out two grants, or we just, um, we haven't handed them out yet, we're going to do that next week, but we just gave the go-ahead for two, Wow, which is exciting. It's so cool. Yeah. You know, what I love about this, it's funny, I remember talking to Tim about a concept similar, like a scholarship type yes, fund yeah. for kids who don't have the means to pursue sport because i think about what a travesty it would be if people who have you me you know anyone who we know who's had success in sport or even just found joy in it just didn't have the means and so therefore they couldn't do it and their lives could not be as fulfilled and complete and then they can't have the ripple effect of helping other people around them yeah exactly through their joy and success and um you know, I think this is like such an incredible step for you. Yeah, thank you. I absolutely love exciting. it. So we will put a link in there too because is this ongoing? You it can is, donate yeah. at any time. You can donate on any time and the scholarships are also given out year round as we receive applications. So it's not just a small window where people can apply and they're given out. 
yeah since it's quite new we just are sort of playing around with how we want to do it but yeah i feel it's best to keep it mm-hmm. open year round and assess applications as we get them and when the need arrives because i think it's you know sometimes gonna be hard you don't know yeah if uh when you're gonna need the money oh absolutely are you doing an ongoing donation like with your race earnings or anything i'm just curious yes i think i will i'm I'm, will donate every year to it cool and um yeah hopefully it does start to grow and gain more sort of support and is a bit more i guess um sort of gets to be a bit more well known within bermuda and the community and yeah can be a stable long-lasting project I mean, I just am imagining in 10 years the letters you're going to get from these kids. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is kind of a funny question. We're winding down here. Um, So, you know, I remember when Tim was racing. I never got this question because I wasn't as good as him. But uh, people, but it's it's interesting, even from his own mom, I think. even when he's winning Hawaii, right? Winning world championship races, people would be like, so what are you gonna do when you're done? Oh my gosh. And so it was this whole like, can't you just appreciate the fact that I'm here? But the point of the question was that it's obvious when you're a professional athlete, your body can't keep doing it at that level till you're 60. So have you given some thought to the longer term future dreams you know the like we mentioned the bucket list but on a bigger level yeah that that is definitely a question i get a lot now do you um, what are you gonna do when you yeah no, don't like, you kind of want to punch know. people yeah but look i just asked you and you didn't punch me you're so nice <laughs> but i'm like i'm living my dream my ultimate dream right now so yeah. it's hard for me um yeah it's it, i think since dan and i got married um that also i mean helped me shape okay where we're going to be living post um, my career because obviously we right. we sort of live in three places so it's very hard to shape what you want to do post triathlon when you don't know where you're going to be so you don't know what you're going to be and you don't know where you're going to yeah. be <laughs> so I think we'll 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 end up living in Stellenbosch, South Africa. Um, obviously, with Dan's entrepreneurial businesses there, yeah. it kind of yeah makes sense to be there. Um, so yeah, that's also pretty interesting to be you know, living somewhere I never imagined where I would be living. Um, yeah, I don't don't really know. I mean, I guess the default is to help Dan with um, one of his entrepreneurial projects. He knows he might have a couple more by then. Um, but yeah, I don't know, we'll see, but it is a really important thing and something I need to start thinking of because I think a lot of people just continue to race because they don't know what they're gonna do next and then it gets you into this cycle of like, you just keep going and 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 it's almost kind of bad because you don't you don't remember the person for all of their highs they're winning all of their world championships and all the amazing things they did but you just see them so now it's like you're like why didn't why didn't you stop a couple years ago because Mm -hmm. now you're not competing anywhere near what you were maybe that's fine for the person but i guess for me i don't want to be in that situation as you meant i want to end on a high where i know perhaps i could have had a couple more years but it's okay it's okay to just step away now but what am i going to step away into that's yeah well you know i see this like entrepreneurial side of you 
coming out too with mm-hmm. with your fund mm-hmm. and um maybe you just never know where it's going to be but i'm putting a little prediction that all those worlds are going to collide it's going to have something entrepreneurial something philanthropic yes. and maybe there's an athletic or a health related mm-hmm. angle so boom there that's my prediction all right. <laughs> <laughs> so reach out again my consulting fee yeah. is i'll take a steak in uh butternut um <laughs> So here's the deal. We are at the end of our little road. And I always ask a final question of my guests. And that is that if you can leave our listeners with one final nugget, one little piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I find these are always the hardest. These are the hardest. Oh yeah. Um, Well, I guess here, this is a lesson I learned this year was... As I mentioned earlier, you know your body best, and it's very important to listen to it, and I think stay centered and stay focused on um, sort of your goal, your path, and try not to let too many other people interfere and sort of sway you off that or tell you you can't do it, this and that. So I think it's, yeah, very important self-belief and really, and, and I think being brave enough to step back when you know things are not going right that's the hardest thing and i should have done that and i didn't so and how about this forgiving yourself and forgiving yourself yes yeah there we go wow awesome job flora thanks for coming on can't wait to see how things progress thank you very much and can't wait to uh enjoy this off season with you (laughs) yeah All right, everyone, what a great episode with a great person who is going through tough stuff, just like we all do sometimes. She is human, even though she seems superhuman when you watch her race when she's in top form. But what I love about Flora is that when she got injured, she did not sit on her haunches. You know, she said she had a very mini pity party, but she started moving forward. And one of the things she did was to start a foundation to give back to young athletes who don't have means. She is definitely not someone who lingers in self-misery, but instead she pulls herself out and sees the bigger picture. Um, On that note, be sure to check out the Flora Fund. There is a link in the show notes and consider donating to help people who otherwise don't have a shot at getting out of their current situations to see what their potential could be in the world. And that, that's truly sad when we can't find that potential that we really, really have. So uh, let's all also give a collective cheer for Flora to heal and get back on her path to world domination so she can ring in a great one and then hang it up or do whatever she wants to do in life. Whew. Let's cross those fingers and send that positive healing energy her way. All right, then, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next week.